0: Join Community Cats Podcast for our annual Online Behavior Day on Saturday, April 8th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring some of the animal welfare industry's most trusted authorities on feline behavior who will offer a variety of workshops on cat behavior concerns from vet visits and enrichment to litter box and multi-cat household issues. You not only learn about new concepts and tools you can incorporate into your home or rescue organization to address behavioral issues But there will also be fun cat trivia and prizes to enhance your experience, as well as chances to network with other professionals and volunteers in the animal welfare sphere via our special online cat conference Facebook page. We have four fabulous presentations this year. We have Pam Johnson Bennett talking about how cats think. Then we have Tabitha Cusera, meowch, identifying pain and how pain contributes to behavior concerns. And then after lunch, we have Dr. Rachel Geller, play. It's not just fun and games. And then closing the day out, we have Arden Moore. What's eating you, cat? There's a small fee of $25, but you will have access to the recordings for up to a year. So if you can't make it, it's okay. You'll get access to the recordings and handouts. So join us by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and turn your passion for cats into action.
1: You've tuned in to the Community Cats
0: Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Louise Holton and Debbie Holzer of Alley Cat Rescue, Uh, Many of you know of Louise. I hate to say it, but I think we've both been in the business for a while. Louise founded Alley Cat Rescue in 1997 as the nation's first National Cat Protection Association. Holton co-founded Alley Cat Allies in 1990 and formed Alley Cat Rescue to include all cats, stray, abandoned, feral, and wild. Holton worked in South Africa in the mid-1970s with the Johannesburg SPCA on TNR programs and brought to the U.S. her contacts in the United Kingdom to help set up a TNR programs here. She worked with biologist and world-famous author Roger Tabor, veterinarian and TNR pioneer Jenny Remfrey and the University's Federation of Animal Welfare in the United Kingdom, as well as the British Cat Action Trust. Holton started ACR with a trap-neuter return program for feral cats and adoption program for friendly cats. Programs now include a low-cost spay-neuter clinic, international programs to help the African wildcat in South Africa, cat action teams to help people throughout the United States who need help, and the Global Feral Fix Challenge, which has led to the spay or neuter of over 175,000 since inception. I'd like to welcome Debbie Holzer, also here, who is a development assistant at the Alley Cat Rescue. Louise, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you,
1: Stacey. Nice to be on.
0: And Debbie, welcome to the show also. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Louise, we're going to kick it off with you first. How did you become passionate about
1: cats? Well, it goes back a long way. Um, my mother used to rescue outdoor cats. And so we always had a, a couple of stray cats that my mom used to bring in. So I was just raised with rescue in my DNA. <laughs>
0: it was always there. But how did you become passionate about the TNR, the cat overpopulation situation? How did you realize that that wasn't really what Cats were, we weren't supposed to have so many cats around.
1: Right. The real awakening came in 1990 when I found, uh, we found our first feral cat colony in Washington, D.C. And I reached out to a couple of people who did rescue cats here in Maryland. And they told me, um, why waste your time on street cats? There are plenty of pet cats that need help there's no need to bother about all the stray community cats, just trap them and bring them in for euthanasia. So I was pretty horrified that a caring, compassionate person who loved cats would just write off all these feral cats and not want to help them. And that's what made me realize that we really needed action here in the United States because I had been involved, as you said, with the Johannesburg SBCA in the mid-70s, and there they started doing TNR for feral cats. So that's how we started our first project in 1990 to bring to national attention the fact that there were non-lethal, humane methods available, TNR, trap, neuter, return, and um it just took off people were calling and saying oh we're feeding feral cats tell us how to do it we don't know how how to do this what do you do you know so it just took off As you probably remember, in 1990, it took off nationally. We just worked from that moment on, and I just became—it became my (laughs) passion—and to the point that I eventually wrote a handbook on what to do to help outdoor community cats.
0: I remember that I had that as part of my library. You know, in the early days, I had a, I had a collection of feline behavior books to consult with people. I had my TNR books. Ellen Perry Berkeley, there was another book from her about Maverick Cats, I think was the name of her book. And that we, I had this resource library that I would refer people to back in the day, you know. And
1: <laughs> Actually, we're updating our, our handbook right now because it was written in 2015. So it's a little outdated. So right now, Debbie and I are working on updating it.
0: Excellent. So Debbie... Can you share with us how you became passionate about cats?
2: Well, my first cat was when I became passionate about cats, and that's when I was uh, probably four or five years old. But uh, I do love all animals and, you know, always have. I've been very fortunate because all of my pets as a child were ones that my parents had rescued from a shelter. And I think that's just so important for kids. Uh, it, I think it's the best way to grow up, really. It's just opened me to just being a more compassionate person in general. But honestly, TNR is not a concept I was very familiar with at all before starting at Alley Cat Rescue. And I've just, in the, the relatively short time I've been here so far, just learned. You know, a whole world has opened up to me, which I'm extremely grateful for, because, of course, I live in Los Angeles and always have. And you can't go through, uh, you know, the springtime, especially, but really just any time of the year, you're going to see stray cats and feral cats. And it just always seemed like a hopeless situation to me, uh, you know, especially since you can't interact with them like you can with a pet cat. I just felt like it's something I had to observe, sadly, and uh, it it was such a nice thing to learn that there's actually a way to make their lives better, and yeah, so now I'm passionate about that.
0: (laughs) It's interesting that you say that. You know, being new to the field, I think, Louise, you might agree with me on this statement, which is we've been talking about tnr for so many years that we make the assumption that everybody knows oh tnr this tnr that everybody should know what tnr is trap neuter return makes sense to us we we know this but there's still an incredibly large population of people out there that don't know or understand what tnr is or or even think of it as an option out there for helping cats And that's one of the mantras that I have here at the podcast, You know how to turn your passion for cats into action. Over 70% of the people who attend our Trap, Neuter, Return certifications, our TNR workshops on how to learn how to trap cats safely, 70% of the people that attend those workshops are not affiliated with any organization. They just want to help cats in their backyard, just like you, Louise, back in 1990 when there was a colony of cats in In Washington, or that you wanted to help, and with me in Newburyport, we wanted to help them, but we didn't want to trap them and euthanize them. We didn't think that was the solution. That was never an option. I was born and raised with trap new to return as the primary option for cats and it It amazes me how we still have so many people in this country that don't think of that or know about it as an option. What are some of the things that Um, Alley Cat Rescue does, Louise, to help get the word out across the country. You talk about various campaigns. What are those campaigns that you have?
1: We do a lot of outreach and PR. We put put out press releases and some news agencies do pick up. So our, our whole lives are really to get the word out that this is the solution. If you do find, and of course, we get hundreds of phone calls and emails all day And the word is TNR, and so all spay and neuter pet cats as well. So what we've done is we've now updated our website to the point that we've got a list, a directory of low-cost spay and neuter clinics on our web. And we've got what we call cat teams, cat action teams on our website. So when people call us from Georgia or Florida wherever, New Mexico. Obviously we're in Maryland and LA. We cannot go and help them in their backyard. So we refer them to these directories that we've got online and we try as hard as we can to keep the lists updated so that they have the latest email address, phone number, and all the information. It's on the front page of our website actually. So right it if you just scroll down a little there's a link immediately to low-cost clinics in the United States or to cat groups in the United States. So anyone who's unaware of this, firstly, can be educated through our website. And then secondly, if they need to borrow a trap, they can go contact a cat group near them, um, who'll probably lend them a trap and and introduce them to a a vet who will do low cost or will even accept feral cats because there are still some veterinarians who are wary of taking in feral cats into their clinic. They don't realize how easy and simple it is. If you bring the cat in in a trap, you can give the anesthetic through the bars of the trap. And then after surgery, put the cat right back in the trap, and no staff member ever has to touch the cat or be in any danger at all. So those are the sort of things that we like to teach not only the public, but even veterinarians. We've even put out a fact sheet to help veterinarians who might be reluctant to want to work with a wild, crazy, feral cat to the point Again, to teach them, you just do the anesthetic through the bars of the trap. You don't ever need to touch the cat. So those are the sort of things we give out, not only in the handbook, but on our website as fact cheats. The, the website's pretty comprehensive, I think.
0: Have you run into issues with regards to the veterinarian as well as the veterinary technician shortage? Have you gotten feedback from folks trying to reach out to some of those clinics about the challenges of getting spay-neuter appointments?
1: Absolutely. And we face that challenge ourselves. Um, We're lucky in Maryland because we have four low-cost spay neuter clinics. You might have to wait a few days to get a cat in, but in general, it's not that difficult, To especially if you only bring it in three or four. But yes, there's a shortage right across the country right now. And some people have to wait weeks to get an appointment. Uh, It's really disappointing. And I'm sure it's going to take a long time before that is resolved. We even find with emergency vets, we have a cat in an emergency and you have to make an appointment now to get a cat into an emergency clinic. I mean, it's unbelievable. We are, again, we've been lucky so far in that the other day we had a cat in an emergency. And when we called, they said, you'll have to wait four to six hours, but the cat had a blockage. So when we took the cat there, and they heard it was a blockage. They did take him immediately. But it's a problem across the board. I'm not sure who's, if anyone has addressed this on your show about any solutions or how long this, this problem will happen.
0: Yeah, so we have a, uh, a link to a presentation by uh, Dr. Julie Levy about the, the loss of appointments, spay-neuter appointments. We are short 3 million spay-neuter appointments that would have happened that we lost out during this COVID period. And there is at the United Spay Alliance, a uh, vet shortage task force with a group of about a dozen different folks involved nationally, trying to seek out different solutions on how to address this issue, whether it is giving a, a higher level of responsibility to our technicians, allowing for reciprocity, going across state lines with our uh, medical licenses. Because in New England, where I am, you know, Rhode Island is a postage stamp. And if you have to get yourself re-licensed in Massachusetts just to go 30 minutes across the border to help do spay-neuter surgeries across the border, that can become challenging and problematic and a barrier to being able to assist cats, especially on the spay-neuter Uh, front of things. I I personally feel like it is a must-have to be able to have access to spay-neuter, and if we can allow for reciprocity even for spay-neuter, I think that would be a tremendous gift uh, for all of us to allow that flexibility for veterinarians to be able to travel around the country without having to get a license in every state, you know, and then we could do these super spay-neuter events and not have to worry about that part of the funding and paperwork from, from that side. And, and this is a, it's a public health solution. You know, uh, most cats get their rabies vaccine while they're getting spayed and neutered. And it eliminates all those kittens that go, that are out there in the big wide world. And it really does help uh, a, a public health situation for us in our communities.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's good to know that someone like Dr. Levy is, is working on that issue. Very good. Yeah. It's a, a hot topic
0: for sure. And recruiting veterinarians, hiring veterinarians, what are the benefits that veterinarians are looking for, as well as technicians. I mean, that the pay is going up, the benefits are going up, the work week is contracting. Most veterinarians are asking for a four-day work week now. So there's just a lot of different things on the the benefit side. Mentoring, a lot of veterinarians and technicians are looking for more community. There's been a lot of compassion fatigue in this environment. And I think they're looking for a lot more emotional and psychological support. And with that being said, I will get right off my soapbox. But as you can tell, it's a very hot topic in, in my mind. Do you want to make things easier on yourself and the others in your organization? Our friends at DuBert have teamed up with the Dallas Pets Alive and Spay Neuter Network teams and together they have created the companion case management module. It allows you to be more proactive with all your organization's needs. Create cases for your clients and organize them by type. Whether it is a rehoming situation, a pet parent needing food or medical assistance, Or simply spay and neuter inquiries. CCM can help you manage all of them right from the Dubert system. Plus, a huge bonus, it allows you to connect with those clients right from the case. So there is no need to open up new windows for emails or pull out your phone for text messages. Check it out and learn more at www.dubert.com to get started today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are you know, real people look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. At Alley Cat Rescue, one thing that seems to differentiate you from maybe a standard trap, neuter, return organization is that you also do represent every cat, all cats. Yes. Why is that important to you?
1: I think that for, certainly as Alley Cat Rescue, being a national group and now an international group, we do have to look at every cat because the obviously the pet cat population gives rise to the feral cat population, so as you know, so you know they talk about well, why doesn't the colony just disappear? You've been feeding it for six years, it's still there. We have no control over people dumping cats. And normally the ones that dump cats have not spayed and neutered their cat. So Alley Cat Rescue offers that service of low-cost uh, spay and neuter to pet cats as well. And then, of course, so, we ha- so that we work on the t and ferals, spay and neuter pet cats, um, we go, we we make sure that people who take in kittens will always spay and neuter the kittens before they put them in a, in a home. Catch the mother. Don't just pick up the kittens. Make sure you catch the mother. And if you can catch the male, even better. Let's get the whole family spayed and neutered. So that's a big theme of ours. So that's the pet cat and the feral cat. Of course, the wild cat. The domestic cat comes from a wild cat, and I'm from South Africa, and of course knew all about the African wild cat, and then of course we were reminded about that when they finally did research to prove who was the ancestor of, the, of our domestic cat, and found out that that was the African wild cat in that fertile crescent valley, admittedly, but still the African wildcat doesn't just live there; it lives throughout Africa, and in the that area of the Fertile Crescent. So, what we did then was started our African wildcat project in South Africa, and it helps two species of cats. It helps Felis catus, the Domestic cat and it helps Felis libica, the African wildcat, because the way to help the African wildcat and stop hybridization is to TNR all the feral cats. So we started, I started in Sun City, I forget the year, Debbie, I think it was about 2006. I think it was 2008, seven or eight, maybe. Thank you. This is where Debbie is very good with knowing dates like that. Anyway, Stacey, so we start, I started in Sun City, which I think is quite well known in America because it's been there for a long time and it was the first casino to be developed in South Africa. And it's right on top of the game reserve. And obviously, if they're African wildcats, Pure 1s, they normally live in a restricted game reserve. So I started helping to TNR cats in Sun City, right on the border of Pelonsburg Game Reserve. And then we found out that there was this wonderful person who started a foundation mm-hmm. to help small wild cats. And when he heard that we'd worked in Sun City and were considering working around Kruger Park, he sent us funding so this is our fourth year working around Kruger Park and um, we found I went to South Africa in 2019 and I ran a workshop there and we invited all the people up and down the 200 mile border of the Kruger National Park and they all came to our workshop and um, I met everyone and they're all at typical dedicated bunch of TNR people. None of them get paid for what they do. They're all volunteers. They go out, like all of us in the dead of night, winter, summer, rain, (laughs) and trap feral cats to get them sterilized. So our project is working pretty well and we've done about 3,300 cats around the Kruger Park area, but we've still got a ways to go. So that's one part of the project. Then we approached our funder and asked if he'd be interested in the Cape area of South Africa because there are a lot of farmers there. And farmers love having domestic cats on their property because they control rodents. But notoriously, and even here in America, Farmers do not spay and neuter their cats, so what we've done in in the Cape area, we've also got two marvelous people that we found, and they go around to the farmers and offer them TNR, and the farmers are happy. they I don't think they've had any rejections. The farmers are very happy if someone's going to trap their cats, sterilise them for free, <laughs> and then give them the cats back. They're very happy about it. So our People in the Cape area are now working with farmers, and there are a lot of nature reserves around there. And of course, nature reserves have African wildcats. African wildcats live all over South Africa. Leopards live in wild places in, in South Africa and other other uh, carnivores too. So wh- wherever you can, wherever you find a leopard, and we've got leopard groups we work with who have camera traps and they trap the leopards on camera, and then every now and then, an African wildcat walks past their camera. So we're in touch with the leopard groups, and they've sent us a lot of terrific information. Anytime they do trap an African wildcat on their camera, they let us know the area that they found the cat. There's still a lot of work to be done there, and we do need to do more our funder would like us to do a bit more DNA testing. We've done some of it, but not enough. You know the DNA to prove whether it's an African wildcat or domestic cat. So we have to do more DNA testing. But those projects are working very, very well. And we would like to expand to other parts of Africa and maybe even in Israel and um other areas where African wildcats still live.
0: Fantastic. Great information. I mean, you're you're all over the place. And I know uh, before we hit the recording button, we were talking a little bit about the International Global Feral Fix campaign that you have. And I was thinking maybe, uh, Debbie, you could share a little bit about that program. Uh, Sure. So it's been going for over 10 years. And
2: what it basically is, is a campaign to, I would even say plea, (laughs) but in most cases, convince veterinarians to offer either low cost or free spay and neuter services for community cats because uh, people, especially volunteers and people who aren't even associated with organizations, will bring in cats to be spayed and neutered. And we think it would be a great incentive for them to keep doing it or do it more if they didn't have to pay for that surgery cost. It's gotten a really great response. We have, uh, you mentioned it at the beginning, we have done or been, I guess, involved with over 175,000 cats being spayed and neutered. The campaign, it varies. During the COVID time, we had it go on for an entire year. So at the end of the year, we asked veterinarians who had basically signed a very short agreement. We asked them how many cats they had done in that year, community cats, for a lower cost or if they're able for free. Um, And that gives us really big numbers when it's possible. And I think some veterinarians find it easier. We restrict it to the month of May, but so far we've continued with the year long campaign since uh, 2020, at least there, everyone has their preferences in the veterinary community, but some uh, seem to like it a year long and it's just a, it, you can join from any country, we send a digital or an email invitation out a few times in the beginning of the year to as many veterinary clinics as we can find in the U.S. and abroad, and we also send a hard copy invitation with the, the sign-up form, In that version of the invitation is something they can mail back. But it looks like digital <laughs> is gaining a lot of momentum and overtaking hard copies, so that's uh going to be a focus going forward, and yeah, we get a great response. A lot of people register, and um, a lot of people also register with a little comment that about how happy they are to see this kind of thing being brought to them so
0: that's excellent that's, that's wonderful. you know one of the questions I get often, and I'd be interested to hear what, what your response is for folks that are taking care of community cats out there, and they want to trap them and get them spayed and neutered. They're also struggling to feed them, especially if it's a large colony, you know, 10, 20 cats or more. They're, there's a lot of cost involved. I mean, I'm finding a hard time accessing cat food even for for folks. You know, if folks are looking for an opportunity to be able to utilize these resources or for people who are paying for it on their own, you know, what are the suggestions that, Louise, that you would recommend folks do that are, you know, trying to do this on their own? They're not a 501c3. How can they get financial support for the cats they're taking care of in their, in their neighborhood?
1: Um, Right. We do have uh, somewhat um, information on our website about that, how to fundraise. They can also access the ASPCA and HSUS, who also give this sort of information out to help people to the point of even a special credit card that you could take out, that you can pay for your pay of it and you can pay it off over time so there are, there is a list and um, I don't know how easy it is to give the link to that um, Debbie Debbie also manages our website but um, she can send you a link to that and um, people can check the website to find and I think if they search on fundraising right Debbie they can get to that list is that correct?
2: We do we do have a very good search function on our website. Uh, we also have pretty easy to find and access lists of food banks and where they can borrow traps without having to pay for them. We have, uh, you know, the, the feral fix challenge is focused on spaying and neutering costs, but all of the other costs that are involved are addressed on our website as best as we've been able to. So there's also... Um, some information about how to, you know, do the work yourself. And that includes where to get traps and things. And yeah, so the website is extremely detailed. And um, I'm always happy to answer people's questions, directing them to exact links if, if they ever have those questions.
0: So if folks are interested in checking out the website, what is the website address, Debbie? It's
2: www.saveacat.com. Dot .org
0: so folks are interested in checking out some of those links they can just go straight to that to that website excellent and my contact information is on it too excellent fantastic well thank you for being so generous and letting our listeners uh be able to reach out to you and and ask those questions louise before we close out do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today
1: yes i think one of the main issues still is the fact that these cats are carnivores and some of them do hunt. The Younger cats hunt more than older cats. Mothers supporting kittens hunt more than any other cat. So it's a very complex issue. It's a very controversial issue. We do admit that cats are carnivores and some do hunt. course, they hunt rodents more than anything else. And I do personally like rodents, but on the other hand, no one wants to be overwhelmed or overtaken by rodents because rodents actually damage bird populations even more so than cats if they are left to their own devices. For instance, on islands, when cats have been removed and all of them have been eradicated, Rodents took over, whether it was rats, mice, or rabbits. They took over and did more damage ecologically and to the birds than the cats had ever done. I'm not saying leave cats on the islands, but I'm saying that one has to look at the whole picture because it's a complex issue. And you cannot remove a top carnivore like the cat from a continent like the U.S., um, so I would just like people who are interested in that topic and advocating for eliminating all cats to think of the uh, the problems associated with removing a top predator like that. And better way is TNR because it's a slower attrition and the prey animals will get more used to that as well, will adapt to that. So uh, we have a lot of information on our website for anyone who is interested in cats and predation. It isn't a hot topic and it's a topic that we always address that we are not afraid to address full on. And um, and look at all the issues at hand. And um, there are two sides to to the cat predation issue as well. But again... We are trying to reduce cat populations in the most effective way that we know how, which is TNR. Removing all the cats on a continent doesn't help. Firstly, You cannot remove them all. Secondly, the pro populations will explode and we'll be in a worse position. I agree
0: with you 100%. Louise, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Debbie, thank you also for joining us today. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thank you,
1: Stacy. Thank you. And good luck. Good luck with your show.
0: That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think. And a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats.